Good afternoon. How are we all today? Good, good. It's quite um, a special day for me today. Uh, it's not because I'm up here. Um, it's St. David's Day today. It's St. David's Day today, the patron saint of Wales. And indeed, I am Welsh, and I am, I'm honoured to be up here on St. David's Day. Uh, St. David, he performed, apparently, many miracles, one of which was to cause the ground to rise up so everybody could see him, so he could preach. Luckily, I don't have to do that today. And there won't be any miracles. Um, this sermon... Actually, let me, let me start with a word of prayer. Let's, let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, thank you so much for uh, allowing us to be here today, allowing us to rejoice in you, to worship you, Lord. Um, I pray, Lord, that the words that uh, come out of my mouth, no longer my words, but your words, Lord, that uh, they sink into the hearts of people uh, who are willing to receive your word. I thank you for this time. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. This sermon, or message, whatever you care to call it, um, emerged um, about a couple of weeks back. And it it emerged from a a confession uh, from the guys in uh, in my D group. I started to share about how I felt. About how I felt I wasn't really at peace uh, with myself. Uh, it felt like there was some sort of conflict going on inside me. Uh, it was really rattling away at me. Uh, to sum it up, I felt as though I was failing. Uh, and I hate failing. Uh, it makes me feel weak. Uh, it makes me feel low. Uh, it reduces my feeling of self-worth. My confidence basically sort of drifts away. I feel like giving up. And this has a knock-on effect to those around me, on those around me. I behave badly. I think unholy thoughts. I become lazy. I shut others out. And I blame others. Why? Because that was my coping strategy. The thing was, I didn't just feel that about from a worldly point of view, from sort of thinking, well, in terms of the world's eyes, you know, I feel a bit of a failure. I also felt that uh, from a disciple following Jesus. See, the thing is, I kind of figure, if I fail at one, we feel good at the other. But to kind of feel like you're in no man's land is a really sort of odd situation to be in. It's very uncomfortable. The thing is, I can't serve two masters, but I'm kind of like somewhere in between. I didn't have peace. I didn't have contentment. Why? That was a big question. Why? And as we were sort of discussing things a bit bit more in detail, it kind of emerged. The reason why is I knew I I know Jesus, but something was kind of missing. I was not stepping out in faith. That's what it was. 
I was so fearful of failing that it had replaced my peace, replaced my faith at that point. And all of us fail occasionally, don't we? Um, It's not our desire or intent, but it happens. Everybody experiences failure. And everybody experiences the fear of failure. In fact, it's the fear of failure that paralyzes us. Prevents us from doing so much. And that's what I want to focus on today. So the title, if you like titles, is Prepared to Fail. Prepared to Fail. I know. Thomas Edison put it like this. Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. It's that fear that stops us doing what we ought to do. And Jesus tells us a parable regarding this in Matthew 25 about a master who was three servants. He divided his income among them and said, I'm going on a trip. I want you to take my money. I want you to invest it. The first guy took the money and doubled it. The master was satisfied. The second guy took the money and doubled it. Again, the master was satisfied. But then we come to the third guy. And this is where we're going to pick it up. In Matthew 25, verse 25. So, I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, pure is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew what I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. I have those moments. I don't know whether you do. I have those moments where I can be that guy who buries the talent. I refuse to take risks for God and thereby refuse to live by faith. In my sort of dream, I'd love to be somebody like David. Somebody who'd kind of say... You guys, you don't want to fight Goliath. You don't want to fight, fight the Philistines. I'm just going to go in there. I'm going to do it. That, that's the sort of boldness. That's the sort of courage I'd like to have. But a lot of the time, I end up being a bit of a Moses. And that's what I'll come on to in a bit. So then, how can we overcome fear? The fear of failure. that doesn't paralyze us. doesn't prevent us from moving uh, forward. To take the risks to honor God. I think the starting point comes from understanding that everybody fails. Whether they admit it or not, everybody fails. But we can kind of lose focus of that when we feel like we're, we're there and everybody else is somewhere else. 
we can feel a failure as a parent. We can feel failure as a spouse. We can feel failure at work. We can feel a failure to God. The thing is, James put it quite niftily, we all stumble in many ways. And Paul says in Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Great men of the Bible failed. Abraham failed to believe that God would give him a son. So he slept with his, uh, with his servant. But God didn't give up on him. Jacob was a thief. And God allowed him to go on to many other things. Noah survived the flood, but ended up getting drunk. Today, however, I want to focus on Moses. And if you'd like to turn with me to Exodus chapter 2. And we'll, beginning, we'll begin reading in verse 11. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the other, he he asked the one in the wrong Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. He sat down by a well. I'm not sure if that's all he did, was sit down by a well. But you get the sense that he was not in a good position. On the run, once was a prince, now he's a shepherd. He once was famous, now he's forgotten. His life was once full of promise. Now his life seems destined to end in failure. But Moses' failure was not final. The second point, realize that failure is not final. The first point was everybody fails. Reading on in Exodus, and we'll read, uh, we'll start off, we'll carry on and we'll, um, uh, yeah, chapter 3. Verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. 
why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. In Proverbs, verse 24, verse 16, it says, For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again, but the wicked are brought down by calamity. There can be times of many failures, and we can think, that's it, that's the end, uh, what, what's next? But history is filled full of examples of people who, through failure, have become great in their own right. Some for the right reasons, some for the wrong reasons. There's an example of um, Napoleon. And Napoleon graduated in a class of 43. And he came 42nd in 43. <laughs> um, but he went on to conquer Europe. Uh, Washington, George Washington, he lost two out of every three battles. But he still went on to become president of the United States. There are so many things that can hold us down, that can make us feel, you know, where to next? And that's where God comes in. We rely on God, amazing things can happen. As we see uh, the Lord approach, uh, well, Moses approach the Lord through the burning bush. In Galatians 6 verse 9, it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Isn't it true that we can just give up so quickly? Failure hurts, but faith can move us forward. The late novelist John Gardner said, one of the reasons why mature people stop growing and learning is that they become less and less willing to risk failure. I think that's worth pondering over. Are we averse to taking risks? 
risks for God. Failure is not the worst thing that can happen, and it doesn't have to be the final thing. There's another way to overcome the fear of failure, and that's to recognize the benefits of failure. Moses may not have been chosen to be Israel's deliverer if he had never failed. In fact, we do not hear too much about his relationship with God before the burning bush. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. All things, including failure. That doesn't mean that our failures are good. But God can take our failures and bring something good out of them. To educate us, Thomas Edison took 10,000 attempts, according to, according to him, it took 10,000 attempts to find the right filament to get that light bulb working. But he didn't see it as failure. He said it was education. I know 10,000 things that don't work. (laughs) How often do we look at life that way? That doesn't work, that doesn't work, that doesn't work. Do we look at it as an education thing? Well, actually, I've learned something. 10,000. Failure also develops skills. I mean, when we're learning to ride a bike, how many times do we fall off before we were able to master riding it unaccompanied without stabilizers? You fell down, you got back on. Failure is a stepping stone to success. You've got to try new approaches. If you always do what you've always done, You'll always get what you've always got. I love that quote. I kind of read it every day just to sort of like move me forward. Am I doing something the same today that I did yesterday that's going to result in something? Of course it's going to result in the same thing. So try and sort of alter things slightly. Maybe for Moses, he had to become that lowly shepherd to learn how to, learn how to lead sheep and in turn how to lead men. I don't know how things are sort of worked out, but he was put in that position. God uses failure to direct us into a new area. Do we see that, or do we keep going down the same route? And I think it's really important in that it makes us less judgmental. Most of the people I know who fail tend to be more sympathetic. Isn't it easier to speak to somebody who's sort of failed and become a success later on than to somebody who's always succeeded? You kind of find it's... You can't relate to them. There is no emotional connection. You can't kind of... You can't connect because you think, this guy doesn't understand where I'm coming from. Without failure, it's easy to look down at others Jesus said 
The one who has been forgiven little, loves little. Another, another point, and this will be, I don't know, I've lost count now, is that point three? Uh, <laughs> don't compare yourself to others. Frankly, this is a root of a lot of fears of failure. We live in a competitive society. We've entered into the world's competitive arena without realizing it sometimes. Everybody competes with somebody else. Parents compete to get their children into the right school. Um, there's competition at work. There's competition from seeing sort of the next door neighbor and what they've got and how they're doing. And this has an effect of wearing us down. And it carries through to our spiritual lives. It can seem easy to sit in the background and say others are better equipped to do what God wants rather than me. Which is what Moses had in mind initially. When he refused to do God's will. We'll carry on in verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is, that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God in this mountain, on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also, God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you. And have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people. So that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. 
every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. Moses answered, What if they do not listen to me? But what happens if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it, out, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that, you, is so that they may believe that the Lord the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in, into his cloak. When he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into the cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like, like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. If they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord, Please send someone else. (laughs) Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth. And as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hands so you can perform the signs with it. For God, for God's success is obedience to him. It's about doing our best for him. Failure is about... Failure... It's not about making an effort. When you compare yourself with others, you set yourself up for the fear of failure. It's even easy for me to think, being up here now, that there are others far better equipped to be up here preaching to you right now. There are others that are far more eloquent Uh, can use words more depth than myself. 
can put the message perhaps across in a slightly different way. But the fact is, I'm here, I'm preaching. You're there, you're listening. So far, so good. (laughs) But the point is, we've all got something we can be doing. Whether it's me standing up here right now, or you sitting there thinking, there's something I need to do. There's something that I've been called to do, but I haven't been doing it. Are we going to shirk away from that responsibility because we're fearful of perhaps what somebody else is going to think about us and what we're doing? Or thinking, well, you know, this person can do it better. The point is, God's chosen you, each and every one of you here today, to do something. Not anybody else, but you. Not to put it onto anybody else. But you. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. Galatians 6 4. You see, if you want to conquer the fear of failure, and I've thought a lot about this, obviously, in putting this together, and I always like to sort of talk about something that's close to my heart. Because as well as thinking it's going to apply to, your, to yourselves, it applies to me first. If you want to conquer the fear of failure, you have to discover that everybody fails. Knowing that failure isn't final and understanding that there are benefits to failure. To stop comparing ourselves to others and depending upon the power of Jesus by replacing our fear with faith. Moses offered many excuses, but God had an answer for them all. I bet he didn't want those answers, but he had the answers for the, he had answers to all those excuses. Moses' excuse, I'm nobody, who am I? God's answer, it doesn't matter who you are, I will be with you. Don't think, who am I? Remember that God says, I will be with you. Moses' excuse, I'm not smart enough, I don't even know your name. What shall I tell them? God's answer, I am who I am. And God's in that, in that sort of point, he's emphasizing his unchanging nature. The same God who helped Moses' ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, would help him. Moses' excuse. I'm not talented enough. I don't have the leadership skills to do the job. What if they don't believe me? Or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? God's answer he gave Moses three miraculous signs. The changing of Moses' staff into the snake, changing of his appearance of Moses' hand, and the changing of water into blood. God gave Moses signs to prove to Moses and the Israelites that God was with Moses. God is with you. What more do you need? 
What do you need to do his will? Moses' excuse. I'm not qualified. I've never been eloquent. I'm slow of speech and tongue. God's answer. Who gave man his mouth? What an answer. <laughs> Moses' excuse. I'm not the best choice. Please send someone else to do it. God's answer. I'll give you Aaron to help. God gave Moses such a great promise. But Moses still had all these excuses. The Hebrew people were slaves in Egypt. There would have been many brave men amongst them. But they were not suitable for God's purpose. God wanted Moses. God wants you. Yet Moses felt weak. He felt inadequate. But God knew that Moses was the right man to do the job. Just as God knows you are the right man or woman to do the job. Do you try to avoid God's work in the same ways? Perhaps you feel inadequate. Remember, it always pleases God to use people who feel, I stress, feel inadequate. Because when they do great things, we will know that it's the Lord. Doesn't that give you some... It, it can't, for me, knowing that really helps. It's out my imperfection that he can prove his greatness. Philippines 4 verse 13, it says, I can do all things. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can face failure through Christ who gives me strength. You can face failure with Christ who gives you strength. It was an example um, given, I was reading something, some sort of sermon example, and it spoke about an African impala. And it says, the impala can jump to a height of over 10 feet and cover a distance greater than 30 feet. And that's huge. When you stop and think of how far that is, that is just phenomenal. And yet, these creatures can be kept in an enclosure where the walls are three foot high. The animals will not jump if they can't see where their feet will land. Can that be us? If we don't know where we're, where we're landing, can we be thinking, no, I'm not going to do that. God's given you the ability to do it. You kind of think, well, I don't know, it's uncertain territory. We live by faith, not by sight. God didn't reveal to Moses every detail of his future. I think it'd blow him away, to be honest. <laughs> um, but he did give Moses the promise that he would be with him. In the end, Moses believed God's promise and obeyed his will. Faith is being 
fully persuaded that God has power to do what he has promised. Don't allow the fear of failure to keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Where are you afraid of failing? Are you afraid of perhaps a new job interview? Are you afraid of that you're going to lose your job because the economy is kind of iffy? Are you afraid of failing in your marriage? Are you afraid of being single? Are you afraid of being a bad parent? What fear is gripping your heart? You might have some spiritual failure. But God wants to do so much in your life. He won't if you don't allow him to. You might be afraid of committing your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're even thinking, if I commit my life to Christ, I'll probably blow it and fail. Guess what? You will. But your eternity doesn't depend upon that. It depends on what Jesus has done for you. The only failure that is complete is when we fail to respond to God's love. You know you can miss God's blessings in your life if you allow fear to control you. You can't play it safe and please God. So I'm going to ask you to step out of your comfort zone today and trust God. I want you to give this challenge a go. Will you take some God-honoring risks this week? Would you say yes to him? Or will you say, not me, pick somebody else? I think some of, some of us have been thinking about this for a long time. But we need to take that risk. Will you ask him to replace your fear of failure with faith in him? If you're following Jesus, perhaps God is saying to you, I want you to start doing something you know you ought to do, but you're not doing it. Would you take a step of faith and say, God, I'm going to trust you with my time, relationships, finances, whatever you have for me. I'm willing to do it. Is that, is that our attitude when we're speaking to God? Or is it, I'll just give a little bit here, I'll give a little bit there. What will end up happening, and this is what I was feeling, that's, I wasn't stepping out enough. I was kind of caught. I need to step out. I need to be challenging myself in order to be doing God's work. It doesn't mean, it doesn't affect whether I'm saved or not. But it affects me inside and it can wear me down. I'm sure it can wear you down as well. 
So I've got a confession of failure. I feel frightened of failure, I should say. I have a fear of reaching out to people. I've always had that fear. I fear the reaction. I fear not having the knowledge to answer the questions. I fear being caught out. And when somebody asks me, oh, you know, let, let's go and reach out. Deep down inside, my stomach is churning at the thought of it. Because I have a fear. Many people won't necessarily see that because I move through that fear because of God. Because I know it's not through my strength, it's through God's strength. Because how many times have we heard it said, but that's not my strength. Others are better at it than me. See, I feel that, but do I allow that to rule me? Does that prevent me from doing, it, from doing that? No, it doesn't. The fear is still there, but God's there as well. I rely on God's strength at that moment in time. Are you going to rely on God's strength to get you through where you're at? Are you moving forward? Are you static? Are you, kind of, are you just remaining the same? Because that kills. That kills. I feel it. We've got to step out in faith. Whatever that means to you, it'll be different to each and every one of us. But we have each got a role here within the community of the church. We've each got a role here to step up to what God's asking us to do. And we can do great things through him. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer as the worship team comes to set up for the final song. Dear Father, Lord, um, thank you. Uh, thank you for taking away my fear, Lord, of being up here. Um, Father, you are so powerful. You can do so many amazing things if we only let you uh, allow us not to sort of live in fear that prevents us from doing great things for you uh, but to live in faith Lord to trust in you and to be, be prepared to fail I thank you for this time and I pray for the rest of the service Amen, Amen.